Good morning. How are you doing, everybody? I am back with you via this camera right here, at least for another few weeks. We are looking forward to December. We'll be moving into a location and be going live shortly after that. Uh, you can hit us up if you want more details. I'll be giving you more as we go along, but just so you know, that's coming. And then this whole background, as cool as it is, we'll be changing uh, as we'll be going live. Also, a couple of other really fast things. Um, December 5th at 5 o'clock, we'll be having a, a business meeting. It's just a, a regular thing we do as an opportunity to be responsible to those who give. So if you want to be, if you're a member of the church and you want to be part of that and come here where we're at and what we're planning and what's going on, you're welcome to. Um, that will be December 5th at 5. Also, we're going to do, if you're interested in joining the church or being part of it, I know we've had several people ask about that. Um, we'll be doing or talking to you guys about scheduling it, but right now we're planning to do a member class on December 12th um, around 4 o'clock, and we'll probably be able to do that in the new building, so that will be exciting if you want to be part of that. It's not a big detailed class like with tests and all that. It's just an opportunity for you to really know exactly what we're about Ask any questions you want and for us to make sure uh, that you understand what you're getting into when you become part of Salt River Community Church. So, that being said, grab your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 4. This is not church. This is me unpacking the word. Salt River Community Church will meet when we gather tonight. and We'd love for you to come be part of that. I'll tell you, uh, if you want to email us, we'll tell you how to find us, how to connect through social media. There's multiple ways to do that. Um, email, website, whatever. Hit us up and we'll tell you how to find us. Uh, we're in Tupi, Arizona. Love for you to come. Genesis chapter 4, that's where we're at today. We've been doing this series kind of on the, what the Bible has to say about emotional battles. And today's one that really hits home with me. Uh, but we've been addressing the idea of can I help how I feel? Can I help how I feel? Maybe you feel like you are invisible. Maybe you feel like you can't deal with the anger. You can't control your violence or your hatred. Maybe you feel like you're bitter. You feel like you've been betrayed. There's lots of good reasons for that. Maybe you feel like you're trapped or you're out of control. Maybe you feel like you are a ghost floating through life unnoticed. Can you help that? Can you help how you feel? As a believer, I've said this multiple times, our emotions, they should work the way God has designed them to work, and at no point should we be controlled by them, okay? So, today, we're, like I said, we're looking at addiction, and um, if you've ever been there, like I have, may, maybe you're there now, I don't know, but if you've ever been there, you understand why I titled it the way that I did. Addiction feels like this beast has taken over, taken over, like you've been conquered, like you aren't in control anymore. Well, today we're going to see what God has to say about that, how to be the beast of addiction. There is a way um, because of the Lord, not because of me or you or anybody else, but there is a way to beat the beast of addiction. We're going to look at that today. Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse 6, I'm going to read to you. Uh, we'll read a couple of verses and lay in them. We only have a couple today. Um Although we'll mention other things, these are the focus. So chapter 4, verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, watch this. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule 
over it. Lord, we love you and we worship you. Lord, I, I give you all authority as if I needed to. All authority is yours, but I, I just acknowledge that I surrender to you in this moment that, Lord, you would forgive me. Uh, of sin in my life, that you would purify my mouth, that the words that came out of me would be your words and not my own. Lord, I pray that people would be moved by what your Bible says, that people would be anxious to show others what your Bible says, that you get glory in all things, especially your own word. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So for me, this is the one that hits home, and I'm not lying. It really does. I still remember to this day the first step for me. I was in the back of a 55 Chevrolet. It was a small piece of white paper that was wrapped into a tube and stuffed with tobacco. Filter on the end of it. And it gave me the tiniest little light-hearted sensation called a buzz. Maybe you remember that if you've been there. I still remember the first time I saw her. On the pages of a magazine that had been thrown in the woods behind the school I went to in Texas. Um, I remember feeling like surprised and enlightened and shocked and, and maybe, uh, maybe even a little embarrassed for a moment and curious though, of course. But what, what I felt most is I want to see more like her. Many people see addiction like a chain, you know, like chains around you that hold, but it's not that simple. It's not that easy. Uh, because chains can be broken, and they should be, of course, in this case, but chains can be broken, and then if they're broken, shouldn't they just fall at your feet, and then there they lay, and you're free. You don't have anything else to worry about, and that the way that, that should happen, that rarely happens that way. Some see addiction like stacking bricks, like, before long, as you stack, you make a decision that's poor, and then you stack bricks and stack bricks until you've got this big, huge wall that you can't see light through and you can't climb over because it stretches to the heavens and there's no openings and there's no doors. And on the other side, you can hear, when you put your ear on it, you can hear life over there, but you're not really sure what, what's going on. Either way, you can't be part of it. You're trapped from everything, almost like that album that Pink Floyd recorded, The Wall, you know, where you're just trapped inside. And But again, kind of like the the movie that went with The Wall, you could blow it up, it could blow up, or it could be torn down, um, and that should be it, right? No more addiction. Your wall's torn down, we're done. Those, those things, whether it's chains or walls, they're good, but they're not really at the key. If you've been in addiction, you really get, you really know there's a little bit more to that because it's not so easy as it explodes or it just drops. In fact, you, you gotta look at it in a, in a way that's a little bit more continuous. What I mean by that is it's alive. It's, it's alive. The truth is addiction is more like a monster, like a living beast. You know, that's always there, always there. It's always ready to take you. It doesn't go anywhere. It's always there. And, you know, maybe for the first time and you didn't know it, or maybe again and again and again, it's always ready to take you. It's not one act that ends it, like just breaking it and it's done. There's always a battle that's happening. And maybe there's some exceptions to that, but for the most part, that's the way that it is. Maybe you feel hopelessly trapped in addiction. Maybe that's you. Like a beast is taking control of your life. 
But God tells us in his word that there is hope if we battle to please him and not ourselves. If we battle to please him and not ourselves, there's hope. So we're going to go into this. You have the beast and you have the battle. And both of these are in the same verse. So uh, again, back to Genesis 4, uh, verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? Um, basically, you know, it means he's bitter and frustrated and he's looking down and he's frowning. It's like he's kicking rocks, you know. He's mad. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin's crouching at the door. It's desire, it's urge, it's passion is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So if you know the story of Cain and Abel, and I figure probably many of you do, um, both of them made offerings to God, but Cain's offering revealed that there was something in his heart that was more about self-satisfaction and less about pleasing God. I'm not going into all that now. That's not our focus. But as a result, God responds to Cain with a warning. And that's the text that we're looking at today. But instead, Cain fully surrenders to his sin and, uh, uh, and then acts out on it instead and kills his own brother Abel. All right? Uh, we're not, like I said, we're not studying the whole story here because our focus is on addiction but the text here, this text here, God's warning to Cain, it's epic in understanding and in addressing sin and addiction. It's got a great uh, message in it for those two things. So I, I realize there's nothing simple about addiction. Let me say that right up front. I realize there's physical addiction, there's chemical addiction, there's emotional addiction, etc. I'm, I'm you know, but my focus is on spiritual things right now. That's where my focus on. I believe your spirit as well, where all actions like this, all addictions, excuse me, find their root. I believe they all find their root in the spirit, in the inner man. Paul calls it the flesh, in that place. That's where the battle happens. Now, I'm not saying, hear me outright and clear, I'm not saying drug treatment or counseling is a mistake. That's not my position to say that. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that to fully be free, to fully deal with it, with addictions, means facing a spiritual battle. That's what I'm saying, okay? So look at how God describes sin here in verse 7. He doesn't say the word beast, but listen to what he's talking about. It sounds like a beast. It's crouching at the door. What does crouching mean? It literally means laying low. It's laying low, but it's set and ready. The idea is that it's trying to be unseen, almost like a lion creeping through the grass towards its prey where it's not noticed or not seen until it's too late. It's, it's, it's a beast. It's anticipating opportunity. It's tensed. It's hyper-focused. It's ready to pounce, ready to hurt, ready to kill. Addiction feels like that. Like it's unseen, like until it's too late. You don't you didn't even know it was coming. You know, a beast that pounces on top of you, it locks on you and starts to kill you and you you didn't even know it was there. You didn't even know what was coming. And notice that this beast has a desire, an urge, one that's contrary to you. It's basically saying it's not in your best interest. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's destructive to the things you hope for. 
that's the desire of this beast is to destroy the things that you hope for. In the original language here, it's pretty simplistic. It says that this beast is toward you. And I keep putting the word beast in here, so bear with me on that. I'm just, because of the language, it's obviously implying that idea. So that's why I'm sticking that in there. But this beast is like toward you or against you. Wanting to rule you. You see that in there? Wants to rule you. But regardless of how good it may seem, that rule is not for your good. It's not for your good. Maybe you think of this beast like a demon. It kind of sounds like that in some ways. And maybe in some cases it is literally a demon for some. There are biblical accounts of demons, quite a few. One in particular pops in my brain of throwing its... The demon throwing his host, the the body of the person, into fire repeatedly. Um, it could be. But keep in mind that as a believer, if we're talking about us, as a believer, possession is not possible. Because you have a Holy Spirit who has sealed you, Ephesians 1 makes crystal clear. And there's no two spirits in there. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. So that's, you know, demon possession is not possible. But believers can certainly be addicts, right? We can certainly wrestle with addiction. And that's because at its root, sin is the issue. And all of us wrestle with sin. We all face the beasts of sin, whether there's demonic influence or not. James chapter 1 verse 14, he said, Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death. Basically what James is saying is we sin because we want to. We sin because we want to. And, and sin is more than ready to pounce when we turn to it. It's more than ready to pounce on us when we turn to it. It feeds on our frustration, our exhaustion, our anger, uh, our bitterness, our selfishness, our hurt. Whatever it takes to get us to respond, that's what it feeds on. And ultimately, listen to me, ultimately addiction is choosing self over everyone else, even God. Ultimately, addiction is choosing self over everyone else, even God. All right, and believe me, I am not preaching from a holier-than-thou position. This is a struggle I have dealt with all of my life. And if you know me, know anything about me, past, present, or, well, I don't know about the future, but, <laughs> but past or present, you know that it's something that's been a wrestle for me. So I'm not saying this as somebody who's superior. I'm saying this as somebody who's right there with you. Okay, um, And the cool thing, however, here is that God says there is something that's between us and this beast. Do you see that in the text? There's something between us and this beast, a door. He's crouching at the door. It's a threshold where the beast is crouched. Don't miss that. And you can create an environment for the beast to enter that door. Or an environment that prevents it, clearly, or else there would be no choice here, right? So you have the beast, and then you have the battle. Look what he says again, going back to the same place. Its desire is, or excuse me, if you do well, will you not be accepted, verse 7. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary or against you, but you must rule, gain control, take charge over it. You see that? Addiction is not just something you can't quit. I just, it's just something I, I just can't, I can't quit. It's not that, it's more than that. And if you've been addicted, you know it's a thirst. 
It's more than something you just can't let go of. It's a desire for more. It's, it's a thirst. It's something you, you want more of. And the moment you say yes, you're no longer fighting from level ground. All right? The moment you say yes, the first time you're battling from already having fallen. Already having fallen. And, and, and you're trying not, it's not that you're trying to get ahead, you're trying not to stay there, trying not to fall any farther. You know, you, you don't even know how to move up because the problem is you keep thirsting for sin so bad that at some point you think, even if I fall farther, I don't even care. I want it. You know, it's like a mirage. I live in the desert here in Arizona, but, and I've never wandered through it to the point of exhaustion and dehydration to where I hallucinate, but uh, maybe some of you have, or you, you all know what I'm talking about, where you're walking through the desert or someone is, and, you, in, and, and they see in the distance what appears to be water, the way the heat is coming off the sand, and it tricks their brain because they're so dehydrated and tired, and they see that mirage, and they race to it, their thirst is so bad that they charge after it, even when they know it's not real. And they throw themselves down only to find out they've swallowed sand. And now they've created more thirst. Now they're more thirsty. And, and looking up from the sand and seeing in the distance, there's, there's water again. There's water again. And they tell themselves, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's just more sand. But what if it's not? It's more water. Go get it. Go get it. No, it can't be. It's got to be. Go get it. And before long, they're up and they're racing, burning more energy and becoming more exhausted and throwing themselves into yet more sand. Becoming more dehydrated and then looking up and going, I see water. You know, it sounds hopeless and in a lot of ways. That's exactly how it feels. That's exactly how it feels. But don't miss two things here in Genesis 4-7. Look what he says. If you do, if you do not do. So that's number one. If you do, if you do not do. And then you must do. Okay? If you do, if you do not do. And you must do. Think about what God's saying here. It's not that sin is going to make you stumble. It's that sin is going to pounce and overwhelm you. If... You open the door. Sin's not just going to make you stumble. It's going to pounce and overwhelm you, he says, if you open the door. The key is not opening the door. Not opening the door. Cain throws the door open out of anger. He goes right to the door, throws it open. Sin pounces and carries him all the way to murder. You've probably heard it before. An old preacher said once that sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Isn't it wild how far sin went so fast, by the way, in the Bible? We're in the fourth chapter. You already have murder. The only sin mentioned before that is Adam and Eve. So literally... From eating forbidden fruit to murder and murder of a family member. Sin embraced, listen to me, becomes addiction. Sin embraced becomes addiction. And addiction drives us to extremes with sin. You hear what I'm saying? Sin embraced becomes addiction. And addiction drives us to extremes with sin. 
But you can rule over it. You can. It's a battle, yes, but you can. If you do well, he said, which suggests that it doesn't have to be that way. It means that there's a pattern of life that will lead to victory. There is a pattern of life that will lead to victory over it. And then therefore, likewise, there's a pattern of life that will allow it to pounce on you and control you entirely. Sin wants to rule us, it says. Control us. Rule and control to lead and guide us. Man, that's a perfect description of addiction. It's a perfect description of addiction when sin rules, controls, and guides us. Perfect Description of addiction. Think of sins that lead and control and rule people. Think about them. You know, what are they? You know, I can think of five that I stick right at the top. Sex, drugs, money, power, and self or someone else. Your identity being found in your own greatness or in desire for somebody else to be in your life. Sex, drugs, money, power, self, or someone else. What I mean by that, for instance, the woman at the well. Look at uh, John chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus said, go call your husband to come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is certainly true. So here's an example of a person who's obviously finding their value in someone else because she has been with five men uh, and even with one now that's not her husband. All right. So all these people find themselves, these guys, whether sex, drugs, money, power, self, or someone else, all of them find themselves addicted to or ruled by those things. So how do you rule over the beast instead? How do you rule over addiction instead well for one keep the door shut keep the door shut you know the phrase curiosity killed the cat right we all know that one you ever watched a horror movie uh where they're in all the every horror movie in some point has the moment but for instance there's a, a noise outside the front on the front porch and the person goes what do they do they don't go look through the peephole. They go just yank the door open and walk straight out and, and we're all screaming at our tvs you are so dumb you know, <laughs> keep the door shut. Keep the door shut. And then he says, do well. Do well. What does that mean? Feed the hungry? Adopt a, an orphan? What, what does that mean, do well? Well, don't think of it as a list of do's and don'ts. If you do, you're going to exhaust yourself and feel yourself being hopeless again. Think of it in terms of what brings satisfaction and joy. What brings satisfaction and joy? What you're passionate about, that's what will lead you to do or do not. You understand that? What you're passionate about will guide your steps. It will lead you to do this or, or to not do these things. Sin, addiction, it never satisfies. It never satisfies. Sometimes appears to, you know. But within a few moments, what happens? You want more? I mean, pick, pick your topic. It's not just cocaine. I mean, sex, uh, whatever it is within it, it might be like, oh man, this is everything I dreamed it would be for, for a moment. For a moment. But then after a minute, you want more. And not just more, you want a higher level because now that little drip's not satisfying anymore. You want more, longer, dirtier, you know, riskier, higher. 
You're never satisfied or content, but you also can't see another path once you're controlled by the beast. Once you're ruled by the beast of addiction, you can't really see another path. The truth is that when we get that way, the truth is that even before we get that way, when we go to the door, the truth is that we are not satisfied with the one who never leaves us empty, and that's Jesus. We're not satisfied with the one that never leaves us empty. And that's Jesus. The only one that can fully satisfy us is the one that we're running from. Unlike the mirage, Jesus said to the woman at the well that he was living water. That whoever drinks of him would never thirst again. Will always find satisfaction. Let me ask you to consider something. Listen to me. Consider something. Who or what stands in your way right now? Who or what stands in your way of... Seeing Jesus, of growing closer to Jesus, of hearing from Jesus, of of following Jesus wherever he may go, of sharing Jesus with others. Who, who or what stands in your way of doing that? Huh? God makes a really clear point here, and I want you to notice a few things. I've been first of all I encourage you to we take advantage of that or take a, a look at that list you just answered in your head and get rid of those things. Get rid of them. But he says something here that makes a very clear point in this passage. First of all, notice that God speaks here before Cain surrenders. A lot of times we say, well, where's God at anyway? Well, God's not involved. Where you know, No, no, no. You got his word. I'm telling you right now. And you have his word. God spoke before surrender. He spoke before. And number two, there's a warning. There is a warning. He didn't just speak, but he spoke a warning. Even in the moment, there was a warning. There's always something there, especially if you're a believer. But even if you're not, that's what your conscience is about. It's something that God puts in all of us that tells us at least for a split second this is wrong. Don't. It's going to cost uh, also, he goes on, I'd say a third thing, he says, you can rule over sin in your life. You need to know that. You can rule over sin in your life. You can. And then another thing, a fourth thing, you must rule over sin. It's not even a matter of just you can, you must. And that leads to a fifth thing, which for me is the key. There's no neutrality. There is no neutrality. You either rule over it or you surrender your rule to it. One of the two. You either rule over it or you surrender your rule to it. Uh, I mean, my life, because of my addictive personality, I have to stay in a constant war with it all the time. I've got a tattoo on my leg that reminds me of that. I won't go into it now, but that reminds me. I'm always at war with this thing. Always. Always. At all times. It's never neutral. I never sit back and say, okay, I'm cool now. I'm at the picket fence and all that stuff. No. It's always a battle with me. Always. Even if I have victory for 30 years without fail, it's still a battle at all times. Not that I'm always on the defensive. It might be that I'm on the offensive where I'm in schools or I'm doing things to share the gospel, to lead people to Christ. That's not just about people coming to Jesus. That's also about me being on the offensive so I don't slip back into uh, some addiction that pulls me under. So what do we do with this? Well, let's close this up. What do, what do we do with this? So what do we do with it? Well, the real struggle is not in dealing with the pain or getting sober. It's in the decision to do it. You hear what I'm saying to you? The real struggle is not in the, all the pain that comes 
with uh, getting sober or letting go of whatever the addiction is. The real struggle is just deciding you're going to. Is deciding that by all means you're going to. And that's because the beast may likely always be there. It might not be the chains are broken, they've fallen off and they're gone. He might always be crouching at the door. It may always seem like he's hunting you. It may. But you rule over it by focusing on Christ instead. Listen to me, this is key. Focusing on Christ instead. Instead of looking at it and going, man, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, I hope I don't do that, I hope I don't do that, stay away from the door, beast is at the door, stay away from the door, don't grab that beer, don't look at that girl, don't go uh, into that house, don't go over here, don't this, don't that. Instead of all of that, just look at Jesus. Just look at him. Just keep Looking at him, let your view of Jesus grow. Let that grow until it far exceeds your view of women or alcohol or cocaine or whatever it is. And it will begin to reduce that beast at the door from a 600 pound ravenous tiger to a gnat that's just a bit annoying at times. Now, how do you do that? Well, let me give you a couple things. How do you do that? We're done here, but here's some suggestions. First of all, choose. So choose. Choose. It sounds simple, but it's not. Choose to repent and not be neutral. Choose. You're not going to be neutral. First of all, I repent, and now I'm going to take anger, hatred at sin. Anger and hatred at sin. Hatred for it and Christ above all. I'm going to choose to focus on him above all, and I'm going to hate sin. The addiction and everything that comes with it. And that means helping others be free as well as myself. So choose. And then focus. Focus on Christ, not on the beast. Focus, as I said, on Jesus, not on the temptations and the addictions and all those things or the failures even. But just focus on him. Let nothing turn you away from him. Even if you slip, even if you stumble, even if you mess up, you keep focusing on him. And then you fight. Adopt a lifestyle of spiritual warfare. That's where you're at. Adopt a lifestyle of spiritual warfare alongside the king. Not just for your own, but for others. The battle's bigger than just you, bro. Like, fight for others as well. One of the most powerful ways to do that is through scripture memory. Psalm 119.11. Key, key, key verse. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to quit sinning? Memorize his word. Black and white as it gets. You want to quit? Memorize his word. So choose, focus, fight, and then defend. And this is a key one too. You've got to have a defense. Put up safeguards, security, whatever you want to call it, alarms, some accountability. Get that into your life. Remove the hiding places, right? Use software on your laptop. Get people in your life that will watch your back. That will guard you. That will intentionally and powerfully pray for you continuously and also put up things in your life that visually listen to me that visually remind you of the positives not just the defense is bigger than just don't let this don't let this don't let this another defense is to remind yourself of the positives man like put pictures up or stickers up or iphone wallpaper or something that's a good thing that reminds you of the positives whatever it takes for me uh this tattoo always does it's Sarah's name, my daughter's name. Got it in Chinese, so nobody thought I was just putting a... Uh, uh, 
I said my daughter's name, and my phone just answered because she thought I said her name, (laughs) S-I-R-I. Anyway, it's my child's name, and I had it in uh, Chinese because I didn't want people to think that I'd just put a girl's name on my arm. Um, but that's, that's her name. But I put that there because I wanted that to forever remind me that I have a responsibility as a dad and what it costs her, what it costs me, my daughter, if I continue to put my hand out towards whatever it is. Um, it's an addiction. You know what I'm saying? So one of the most powerful verses, I'll give you this one. I save it to myself all the time. Great one. I highly encourage you to memorize it. Psalm 101. Three and four, David said, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those that are falling away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart will be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. I try to say that that to myself as a creed. And I fail a lot, but I try, man. I get up and I say those things to myself all the time. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those that are falling away. Let's just take porn and let's say it's that. I will not set porn in front of my eyes. I hate the work of those who create it, who are falling away from God and trying to pull me with them. That's the idea behind those verses. A perverse heart will be far from me. I will know nothing of you. I don't want no part of it. I don't want any part of any of it, no matter what it is. All right? And one other thought I will I'll give you, and I, I believe this is probably true, although I, I don't know that I've put it together as an art, biblical argument yet, but I think fasting can help in a big way. Because if you can teach your body, and I'm talking real fasting, food here. If you can teach your body that you can go without food for a period of time in order to focus on Christ, then whatever it is you're dealing with in an addiction, you can do the same. You can teach yourself to know, if I can go without food to focus on Christ, I can go without that to focus on Christ. All right? So, now here's the deal. If you haven't given your life to Christ, then the battle's beyond your ability. I'm just telling you. And and you have lost all hope of winning the war and little hope of victory with the battle. And even if you get some victory with the battle, you lost the war. Because death is still a reality for you. But... If you give your life to Christ, if you give your life to Christ, no matter how hard you have to fight the battles, the war is won. The war is won. Death has already been conquered. The biggest threat is done. Death can no, if you give your life to Christ, death can no longer hold you because it could not hold him. Death no longer has a right to you because it does not hold him. And though you may face the battles, you don't face them alone anymore. He walks through all of those with you and never leaves you or forsakes you. Never says, well, you did it one too many times. Not ever going to happen. Not ever going to happen. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Can you say that today? It's accessed by faith. You want freedom? You want the hope of freedom? You want hope at all? You want a a life that has purpose, that has meaning? You want to be able to see God use you to change other people as well, besides just setting you free? You want that? It's accessed by faith. It's accessed by faith. Can you admit who you are? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know it. I know it. Can you admit who you are and say, Lord, I, I repent. I turn from that. Can you believe in who he is? 
Can you believe in who he is? I believe you're the son of God. I believe you did, in fact, come and die on that cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe that's who you are. And can you trust that what he accomplished was enough? Lord, there's nothing in me good enough, but I trust that what you did was. Can you do that? If you can, tell him right now. Tell him. Lord, I love you. Your word is powerful and amazing. And I pray for anybody today that's struggling with addiction. God, set them free. Please set them free. And though the enemy may always be crouching at the door, Lord, help us to rule over sin and addiction. Lord, help us to rule over it. Forgive us when we fail. Continue to walk with us. And Lord, for anybody who hasn't given their life to you, I pray they do it today. Please open their eyes. Please fill their heart with your Son, your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.